Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Chapter 84. Barbarians. We are well into the time known as the crisis of the 3rd century now, but so far most of the threats have been internal. Gordian III and Philip have had some trouble with the Sassanids and there have been continual barbarian raids and skirmishes on the Rhine and Danube frontiers, but the actual threat to the empire has been limited. All of this is about to change. The barbarians are about to become far more deadly and the crisis is going to escalate, as the new emperor Decius is soon to find out. Before we discover that poor man's fate though, it's time to backtrack a bit and find out more about the shifting fortunes of the German tribes and look at a couple of other non-German peoples who will play parts in our story further down the line. The history of the Germanic tribes is long and complicated and far too intricate to go into in huge detail. In this chapter, we'll concern ourselves with those tribes who impacted the empire during the first three centuries after Augustus came to power. That said, two of them in particular would continue to ravage imperial lands well beyond this time, and are part of the reason for the fall of the Western Empire in the 5th century. In this brief summary, I will make some generalisations which help to understand the general movements and developments of the German peoples, but be aware, the actual history is far more intricate, and much of it is guesswork. The Germanic tribes as a whole are thought to have originated from Scandinavia and what is now northern Germany, particularly the coastal areas of what are now Norway, Sweden and Denmark. By 250 BC, Germanic peoples had migrated southward and occupied lands as far apart as the modern Netherlands and Slovakia. Historians and linguists generally categorise the Germanic tribes into three broad branches. We will call these groups the Western Germans, the Northern Germans and the Eastern Germans. The Northern branch doesn't concern us too much. These are the tribes which eventually took over most of what we now call Scandinavia, they are the precursors to the race which came to be known as the Vikings. It is the Western and Eastern German tribes which interacted, in some cases spectacularly, with the Roman Empire. The areas north of the River Rhine, which came to be the border of the Roman Empire, were originally inhabited by Celtic peoples. In fact, Celtic people occupied most of Western Europe in pre-Roman times. The Gauls, ancient enemies of Rome before the conquest of Gaul, were Celtic, by the 1st century BC, though, the Germanic migration had forced the Celts out of most of Germania, leaving the very northern tip of modern France and the British Isles as their strongholds. The German tribes who pushed the Celts out of their lands were Western Germanic. We've already met a number of the Western German tribes earlier in our story. Julius Caesar battled against what he called the Swabian tribes. He inflicted a defeat on the Marcomanni and overcame the Chatti. The Chatti, along with the Cherusci, Sicambri and a number of others, joined together to defeat the Romans at the disastrous Battle of the Tudorborg Forest, the one from which Augustus never truly recovered. The Swabi crossed the Rhine in 29 BC and represented a minor thorn in the side of the emerging empire until defeated by Tiberius' brother Drusus in 9 BC. Drusus also fought the Chatti and the Marcomanni and a number of other smaller tribes. Marcus Aurelius campaigned against the Quadi and the Marcomanni in the 2nd century. These victories are celebrated on the column of Marcus Aurelius, still standing in Rome today. By the time of the crisis of the 3rd century, though, these smaller tribes had begun to coalesce into rough confederations and their names disappeared from the records. They are replaced by some of the labels which are much more familiar to us today. 
For example, Cassius Dio is the last historian to mention the Chatai by name. He is also one of the first to use the name Alemanni to refer to a group of Germans. The Alemanni are one of these Western Germanic confederations, probably made up of a number of smaller tribes. Some of these confederations are much more well known. Although the Thuringians are not on the tip of everyone's tongue, two of the others almost certainly are. The Chatai and a few other closely allied ethnic groups formed a more powerful, larger confederation known as the Franks. The more northerly Western German tribes coalesced into the group which came to be known as the Saxons. By the third century, these larger federations were taking shape. These groupings of tribes took place over a long period of time and may have involved conquest as well as agreement. We shouldn't think of the confederations being agreed by leaders in cold caves. There was almost certainly considerable bloodshed involved. So, when further down the line the Western Germans wake up and begin to become a serious threat to the Romans, it's these confederations which we will speak about. But the first major defeat of Roman forces in the crisis of the third century was not inflicted by Western German tribes. It was the rise of the Eastern Germans which forced Rome to sit up and take notice. One group in particular. There is an island off the coast of modern Sweden called Gotland. It's over a hundred miles in length and just over thirty miles wide at its widest point. This island was home in ancient times to a tribe of people called the Goots. This name in Old Norse is Gotar and seems to be the derivation for the name of that most well-known of Germanic tribes, the Goths. It's not certain that the Goths who came to ravage the Western Roman Empire during its decline are descended from these people, but traditionally this is thought to be their origin. The ancient Norse sources say that the Jutland Peninsula, now part of Denmark, was also inhabited by the Gotar. The first documented mention of the Gothic people was that by Pythias, a Greek who came from the colony of Marseille. He says that a people called the Gutones inhabited the northern shores of the area which is now Poland and its neighbours, on the southern shores of the Baltic Sea, and also down the banks of the northern parts of the Vistula River. If the Gutones are the same as the Gotar, then they have clearly migrated from their Scandinavian origins by crossing the Baltic Sea. Nothing much is heard in Greek or Roman sources about this faraway tribe until the 1st century AD. Tacitus mentions them briefly, and Pliny the Elder, writing during the time of Vespasian, tells us they were occupying pretty much the same area as that highlighted by Pythias. The Baltic shores were a long way from the edges of the Roman Empire, and thus the Goths had little or no impact on the Roman psyche. Virtually nothing is known about them. It is assumed they lived scattered over the woods and plains rather than cities and villages, very much like the other Germanic tribes of the time. They seem to have lived on meat taken from large herds of cattle, which they pastured on common land. Much of this, though, is speculation. They did have the ability to read and had a basic alphabet of their own. So, how did this group of people from the very northern parts of Europe come to be the scourge of Rome? Well, they came to be one of the major threats to the Roman Empire because they didn't stay put on their cold northern shores. They left the banks of the Lower Vistula and moved en masse until they were direct neighbours of the Romans. The reason for the migration is one of those things which is lost to history. Nobody is quite sure why a whole people migrated from the lands which they had occupied for centuries and found new homes hundreds of miles away. While it's true that their way of life did not require them to stay put, they had done so for a long time. It might be supposed they were forced to move because of incursions of another people into their lands, but there is no evidence of this whatsoever. 
It's most likely it was simply a matter of increasing population requiring expansion, or a lack of food for their cattle. What is certain, though, is that the Goths began to migrate southward. The first movement was into what is now Western Russia. Then they arrived on the shores of the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov. The next migration was westward along the shores of the Danube, and it is here that they became neighbours of the Romans. Sometime before the year 200, when they were living on the north shore of the Black Sea, the Goths seemed to have become divided into two great tribes. These were known as the Thurvings and the Greatungs. Later, the two sub-tribes, the Thurvingi and the Greatung, acquired the names we have known them by today, although it's pretty certain that these new labels were not known at the time. The Thurvingi inhabited the more westerly part of the new homeland of the Goths and have been dubbed Western Goths, better known as Visigoths. The Greatung, similarly, have come to be known as Eastern Goths or Ostrogoths. It's not useful for us to use that division for the early contacts between the Goths and the Romans, though. The Goths were seen as one group and not two. These terms will be used later in our story when they really become two separate peoples. The complete Gothic nation was certainly settled in and around the Black Sea coast by around 214, during the reign of Caracalla. The earliest known record of a conflict between the Goths and the Romans is the sack of the city of Histria, a town on the Black Sea in modern Romania, in 238. The invaders were huge and frightening and caused some consternation. They were, though, still barbarians in the eyes of the Roman elite, and so, while being ferocious and scary, they were not taken that seriously. There were a few other raids in the following years, and it seems the formerly Greek cities of Olbia and Tyras fell into their hands. So, it seems, these particular German barbarians were a cut above the rest when it came to military prowess, and maybe the Romans should have treated them with a little more respect. On the other hand, there is also evidence of Gothic soldiers being recruited into the German army. This leads us to believe that the Romans recognised the fighting qualities of these newcomers, and also suggests that not all of the contact was hostile. What were hostile, though, were the incursions which took place in the year 249. It's these incursions which led to the shocking event known as the Battle of Abritus. This battle opened the eyes to the Romans to the fact that they were not all-powerful and destined to win every fight against barbarians just because they put their minds to it. We will see just how dreadful this battle was in the next chapter. Before we leave our little barbarian roundup, though, we need to look at three more tribes, one German and two from elsewhere, who will have a big part to play in the eventual downfall of the empire. The Vandals are thought to have originated in Scandinavia and migrated over the Baltic Sea, probably around the same time as their eastern German cousins, the Goths. They settled in the area immediately west of the territory of the Goths, in the region between the Vistula and Oder rivers. There, like the Goths, they remained for some considerable time. As with the Goths, the early history of the Vandals is lost in the murky depths of unrecorded history. Tacitus mentions the Vandili, but seems a little vague about who they actually were. A branch of the Vandal race, known as the Hastingi, migrated southward a few years before the Goths began their mass expansion. The Vandals were known to Marcus Aurelius, who actually invited them to be part of a coalition formed to fight against the Marcomanni during his famous campaigns. They were happy to oblige, it seems, but made poor allies. Within a few years they were causing irritating, if not particularly serious, problems for the Empire with their raids and incursions, although it seems they were allowed to live within the Empire's borders, north of the Danube, in Dacia. There they remained for a hundred years or so, 
before beginning to become genuinely troublesome during the later years of the crisis of the 3rd century. By the 5th century, they would be one of Rome's most formidable adversaries. The Alans were a group of tribes, originally from the area now known as Iran. By the beginning of the 1st century AD, they had migrated to the area around the Sea of Azov and along the River Don. The Alans were a far more nomadic people than any of the German barbarian tribes. They were expert breeders and users of horses, and were a constant thorn in the side of the Parthians. The Roman general, Flavius Arrhenius, was forced to march against them in the 2nd century, but the Alans were not considered to be a big threat in the middle of the 3rd century. Again, their turn will come. The last of the barbarian tribes we need to sit up and take notice of originated far from Europe in the steppes of Asia. The evidence for the origins of the Huns is even more sketchy than that for the Germanic tribes. In fact, as far as the Romans were concerned, they seemed to suddenly have appeared near the Caspian Sea in the late 1st century AD, although there's some evidence to suggest they then still controlled territory stretching into Siberia. They're mentioned by Tacitus in the 1st century and also by Ptolemy, the great geographer, in the 2nd. Despite being very warlike and expert horse archers, the Huns posed no problems for the Romans during the crisis of the 3rd century or for some considerable time after that. In fact, apart from the marauding of Attila the Hun and his armies in the mid-400s, the Romans rarely actually fought against the Huns. The major problem with the Huns was somewhat different. In the late 300s they began moving into the territory of the Goths. The Goths needed somewhere else in order to escape these new, very scary invaders. And where could they go? Into Roman territory, of course. And that is what caused the real trouble. But that's for later. The arrival of the Huns in Gothic territory is a hundred years away. In the next chapter we will discover what happens when the Goths, without any external influence, take on the Romans in a full-scale battle for the first time. So, until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.